Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are live. Welcome to the Sports Detention Podcast. We are here at the Robert Allenby Studios, and I am here with my co-host, Potty. Potty, how we going, mate? Hello, hello. I'm doing very well. Doing very well. Let's um, let's get firing, Gregor. We keen? Straight into it? Yeah. Just, yep. Let's not hold back. Not yeah. even muck around. Let's go. Yeah. All let's, right. Let's fire. Let's have it. Potty, we're here, mate. We're back. And as always, mate, we've just got an absolute loaded menu full mm. of succulent selections to select. Does that even make sense? I don't know. Of course it does. Of course it does. And, mate, you know, we'd, it'd be remiss of us not to jump straight into what's called our eye, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, that's that's where we start. Yep. That's how this ship rolls. Mate, uh, what's caught my eye? It's all, it, it's all to do with the tillies, mate. It's the tillies, the yeah, tillies, the hot topic. Yep. A uh, couple of good things, couple of bad things regarding what's caught my eye with the Tillies, but I'll um I'll get into the good first. Albo, he's come out and basically said he's going to be campaigning if the Matildas make the final for a public holiday. Oh, he's having a Bob Hawke moment. He is having a Bobby oh, Hawke moment. Do do we Albo. remember Bobby Hawke? We do, we do. After Australia won the Australia, uh, Australia's Cup. Oh, no, no, not the Australia's Cup. The yeah, Americans well, mate, they should have renamed it the Australia's Cup after it. we won that. We so we spoke about the America's Cup last uh, week, where we discussed streaks. Yep, and uh, the New York Yacht Club and their streak. But um, yeah, Benny, yep. Benny Lexon. Yes. Remember the name. Let's remember the name. Remember the keel. And I, uh, yeah. So I, when I heard that the other day, I was like, "You beauty, a day yep. off." And I mean, obviously, mm. we're all behind the Matildas in Australia, and us especially here at the Sports Detention. But. That got me excited. I was keen. Oh, it, uh, as it does. It's a public holiday. As it does. Yeah. As it does. And it's. I think for for national triumph, mm. it's a, it only makes sense. It does. And and when you talk about national triumphs, I mean winning the football World Cup. That is huge, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So I love that. But uh, sticking with the Matildas, last night's game. Yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, good game. Two 0 well done over Denmark. Did you read today that it smashed TV ratings records? Huge. I, did, I didn't read it actually. I didn't get any uh, any feedback on that. However, it does not surprise me. No. So uh, a few stats for you. I know you love the stats, mate. Hit me. Uh, more people watched it than last year's grand final and state of origin series. Rugby league grand final. Yep. Rugby league wow. grand final and the state of origin series. Yep. More people watched it then watched five of the last seven AFL grand finals. Ooh, that's so, good numbers. Huge numbers. So we're doing – what does this tell me? We've got a great product. We've got a team that people want to follow, that people oh. are tuning in to see. There's no doubt about that, we've is got, there? We've got an illness, mate. It's yeah. a fever. It does. It does. Mm. So tell me, mate. Does the Monday night help? Well, it, it might do. That's, I mean, that's yeah. really, really, that's that's been perfect for, for the set, setup. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be, and and for a World Cup, you know, FIFA and their organisational committee, like, I mean, it's, it's easier to get, I suppose, people, you know, 
traveling to and from cities to go to the games and the like and having them in those prime time slots on a weekend but when you're able to put it prime time on a monday night i mean the viewership numbers are going to be through the roof yeah and it's it's just perfect nailed it didn't they and yeah so we've got this product everybody loves why must we turn it into a soap opera yeah i, I agree i know you agree mate and i knew bringing this up might fire you up a little bit. You're trying to poke the bear oh, again, yeah, mate, because we potty. talked about this last week. But one news outlet, despite all this brilliance that is going on on the pitch, despite a nation loving the Matildas and following them, barracking them home, yep. they've released a video, which they've titled, Who is Dating Who? <laughs> Inside <laughs> the Love Lives of FIFA World, Women's World Cup and Matildas Stars. Oh, well, I don't care. <laughs> Who cares, mate? Absolutely. Can we report on the football? Yes. Look, I think another one was, and and this is what sort of, you know, I, I started on about previously was, you know, the the US were eliminated out of the uh, World Cup. Yep. Penalty shootout. Um, I can't for the life of me remember the, the lady's name who missed the penalty. Um, uh. Blue hair. Yep, escaped me. Yep. Polarising figure. Mm. And obviously the reaction was the fact that, um, you know, she smirked after she missed the penalty. And it was like anything just to try and have a – like, who cares? I understand that, you know, you want everybody who misses a penalty to react like Roberto Baggio did and just fall to the ground in a – and ball their eyes out crying. Some people may manage things differently. Yeah. It doesn't mean okay. that doesn't mean there's something wrong with her. <laughs> she was obviously upset that her team had been uh, eliminated from the World Cup. Yeah. But I think there's always just seem or there appears to be this this nudge towards a narrative of controversy around a tournament like this, which is just starting to you know it's it's been bumbling under the surface and it's or it's not going to take much to set it off, and that's what shits me to tears. Yeah, let's just let's just enjoy the football, enjoy that the the, uh, the ladies have centre stage and get behind them. I mean, the viewership numbers tells us that people are interested. Yeah. Let's take advantage. That's right. That's right. I agree, mate. Mate, that's what's caught my eye. I just want to say, go the Matildas. We love you. And you'll keep getting our support here at the Sport Detention and all of Australia. But I, as we're moving on to your, what caught your eye, mate, I just needed to check with you. Are you all right? I'm all right, mate. Yeah. It just looks like you might have had a, a stroke or something like that. Oh, mate. <laughs> no, we'll get to that. I just want to just jump in first before we report on, on uh, yeah, my medical conditions. Um, Megan Rapinoe is who we're talking about, the, yep. uh, the US uh, national team player. So, um, yeah, and I mean, obviously, Megan ha- is known as a, as a polarising figure within US soccer, and I think it was just a cheap shot. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's just poor form. I agree. Me. Unnecessary. Um, yeah, so what's caught my eye? Um, as you mentioned, mate, um, it was, you know, it was a pretty big week last week. Mm. And, um, you know, we get in and we, we sit down and, and I, I mean, we're preaching to the choir here where we say that this is just a, the the most fun we have during the week is oh. just sit down and just, just shoot the shit over some sport. It's so good. And I love it. And I was so excited last week that I, I couldn't get the words out. So for the listeners at home and 
we love you guys. However, just full disclosure, this is a really a 99.999% unedited show. We just <laughs> we do nothing. We just press record, press Straight stop. Straight to our mouth still and then, But unfortunately, I let you guys down last week. <laughs> I let you guys down. I didn't even get two and a half seconds through our show before I had to stop the show and restart <laughs> it again. And I'm going to share with you guys how last sh- last week's episode <laughs> started off on our part. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh. <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mate, that was an absolute joke. And I was able to extract that from the recording at the end of (laughs) the episode. Can we have it one more time? Here we go. We'll go one more time. One more time. Ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we do our best here. We do our best. We're not perfect, that's for certain. But one um, thing we can do is uh, take the piss out of each yes, other. Yes, I, I, I mean, I am okay. For those of you <laughs> who are worrying at home, I, I am okay. Um, another Look, another criticism from last week's episode too, mate, was um, the fact that we're going through the analysis of um, and looking toward the Parramatta Eels and George Dragons, George Illawarra Dragons, my apologies to those old Steeler fans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I tried to slide in a Dylan Brown joke and it just it went nowhere. I was, I, I was hoping that Dylan would get his hands on the ball and it just kept going and it just missed. I was actually trying to say that I was hoping that Dylan Brown would get a bit handsy during the game and it didn't work. So I thought, I'd, you know, as the old saying goes, if you have to explain a joke, it's a shit joke. And uh, I just wanted to apologise for all the listeners for my failed attempts at comedy. And um, yeah, I will do better. Probably, and probably, probably partly my fault, mate. <laughs> you were, you took it serious, so you you were analysing the mighty eels, and you weren't overly keen on um, yeah jumping into my humour. That's for sure. Final thing, mate. We've had a confirmation from uh, one of our valued listeners about the Jared Wahara Hargraves Photoshop. Mm. So it has been confirmed that it was a Photoshop. Yep. So the um, yeah the old uh, fold some cunt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, patch, which is very, very aggressive. Um, but the, whoever's done that Photoshop, it's bro- a good job. Bravo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, was a, it was actually, it had me sold. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It wasn't a deep fake, that's for sure. It was just a, an old-fashioned Photoshop that went well. Um, speaking about conspiracies, though, mate, have you heard about this recent one um, from the zoo oh, um, about this uh, the Chinese zoo and the the bear so yeah. there's a, there's a suggestion that potentially there is a, an actor who has been uh, moving around the Hangzhou zoo in a bear suit because this bear is demonstrating unusual characteristics mm. now for the listeners at home who have seen this he's basically walking around like Bigfoot yeah so I mean, what what are your thoughts on this potty? I I don't know where I'm at with it. I I it's obviously a bear, but could I be having the wool pulled over my eyes, or am I falling into the Chinese propaganda here and saying that it's clearly a bear? I don't. I can't believe how much that the world has been talking about this bear or man bear. But but honestly, I thought nothing of it. 
But then, then he stood up and I was like, it's a bloke. Hold on a second. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the gait yeah. of the bear was human-like. It was. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's almost like, is it one of those, I mean, the, that's where your tinfoil hat comes out and you go, look, is it a cheap dig from the zoo to try and get people to come to the zoo? <laughs> is, it, is this some sort of elaborate marketing ploy that we're all being hooked into? I, I don't know. It's, it is... It's hilarious, though. <laughs> it could be. It could be an elaborate marketing ploy, but uh, again, job well done because they've absolutely got, they've got the whole world talking about it. I'm having another look again. Not much of a backside on him, is there? No, no. I so, mean, he. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, the old saying, mate. Um, you know, not enough squats for the bear. He's he's hunched over. Yeah. But uh, yeah, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I. I don't think we'll ever find the truth. Let's put it that no, way. No, I, I don't think so either. But um, the bear certainly, or the man, the bear, the bear man has had his moment in the sun. Remember the old South Park episode, Man Bear Pig? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're that, taking me back now. Right, mate, that is like, and you remember something like South Park. Like South Park was so stupid the way they, they did things. It was like half man, half bear, yeah. half pig, man, bear, pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so um, look, we will be slight sceptics. However, if you're around um, the province of Hangzhou um, and you want to go to the zoo, yep. I mean, there's a, there's a walking bear there. Get a closer look. Let us know. Absolutely. Hit us up on the socials at Sports Detention. Let us know, is it a bear? Yep. Is it a man? No pigs. No, no pigs. <laughs> okay, uh, next one, mate. Uh and we've got, we got a fair bit to get through with what's called our eye. Uh, mm. The Saudi Football League. We, we've spoken a fair bit about the Saudi Football League mm. um, and how obviously they've got the big transfer moves and the like. And, uh, yeah, really, you know, getting some big-name players to come over to the Saudi League. Um, obviously, it was on the back of Ronaldo. Ronaldo was um, obviously the, the, the pilot yep. episode on that where he went over there. Uh, however, I mean, uh, reality hit me during the – weekend because I was at Bunnings and I mean we love Bunnings on the weekend yeah you know and there was a kid walking past wearing an Al Nasser jersey with Ronaldo on the back yeah wow he was also scoffing down a sausage sandwich yep. and I mean he was probably about six or seven and I tell you what he was probably doing more scoffing than he was doing Sue's that's for <laughs> sure <laughs> But, um, yeah, just absolutely, you know, it takes you – it goes, well, hold on a second. This is this is a movement. Yeah. You know, you've got kids walking around uh, wearing, you know, jerseys from clubs in the Middle East, which is just completely unheard of. Yeah, it's a game changer. It's, yeah. Yeah. And what else is uh, – was interesting about that little episode was the fact that the uh, the sausage sandwich, you know, the, the – Obviously, they have the, the charity stalls there yeah. or the, the local organisations that get behind the sausage sizzle at Bunnings. Yep. Um, Dolphin Marine Rescue. Oh. You know, so Dolphin Marine Rescue, obviously, they come on hard times. They do a lot of good work around the uh, the local marine parks on the, on the north coast of New South Wales. However, I was fascinated by the old-fashioned doubling down. So if the vegan's going to be off you for uh, keeping dolphins in a pool, what better way to raise money by <laughs> throwing some meat on the barbie? 
So well done to Dolphin <laughs> well Marine done, Rescue. Well done, doubling down. Well done. Um, yeah, look, and as the old saying goes, vegetarian. The old-fashioned term for a bloke who can't hunt, fish, cook or light fires. <laughs> Oh, well played, mate. Well played. Rightio, mate. Should we get into the... Uh, the footy. The footy, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, the it. rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here. Oh, Rightio, mate. mate. Rugby league. The week that has just gone, round 23, Ooh, we are getting closer and closer to those finals. The Roosters got a much-needed win to keep their finals hopes alive, 26-16 to 16 over Manly. A few late tries for Manly to keep that a little bit respectable. Uh, in a really interesting match, the Warriors beat the Titans 28-18, to 18, but I think it was 18-all with about 10 minutes to go, and the Titans had Mo Fodawaka sent off in the first half. So. Yeah, that was um, – I missed the first hit by Fodawaka. I, yep. I caught the hit on Charles Nickel Clockstad, which, I mean, it was – it didn't look much at the start, but, I mean, when you look at it, he, he had to go. Like, d- despite the, you know, the injury, yep, it played a part, but it's, you know, the fact that he – you know, just been put on report. You'd just been warned for a high shot and then you put someone out of the game like that. It's, I mean, there's absolutely nothing a ref can do there other than send you off. Yeah. Uh, well, be, I think, as you said, the warning um, really tipped the scales um, in the favour of mm. the, I, away I, from Mofo to Waker, should I say. I, I could I, suggest that he probably would have got sent anyway. Yeah, I don't Just know. due to the injury. Yeah, yeah, because it, it looked bad. So the NRL will tell you that they don't um, make judgments based on injuries. But but we know they do. They do. They do. I, I, I don't know. Like The NRL I also was tells as bad us as it's what not I'd about seen. the money as oh, well. Oh, they do. <laughs> I, I, I've got to disagree. I, I didn't think it was that bad. Like, I didn't think he swung his arm. No, no. It was just the fact that his shoulder made clean collision with the side of the head, which resulted in... You know, it a player did. losing consciousness, but also, too, having to spend a period of time in, you know, in the protective position protecting his neck. Yeah. I think that was, you know, it really – I don't – I agree with you because I don't like the optics of game on things. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, if an accident results in somebody getting a serious injury, you can't then just – you know, we talked mm. about it with Marcelo, the uh, Brazilian footballer who yeah, yeah. accidentally trod in the path of someone and – you know, it looked like his his leg <laughs> his leg fell off. Oh, um, I still can't get that. I still can't sleep at night. It was so bad it. we couldn't yeah. even put up on our socials. No. That's you know. So for those who have seen that, but you know, and I, I don't like the idea that you know injuries dictate what the punishment is because a lot of you mm. know, especially in times when you know it is purely an accident. Yeah. So. Yeah, th- that was for me. I thought I thought Chance was dropping. I thought Mo wasn't mm. swinging the arm. Uh, I thought maybe ten minutes would have been better there. But you know, probably off the, off the back of being warned, he needed okay. to do a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, I yeah, I can I can agree with that. Uh, so it, to comparison, Nathan Brown sprinting out of the line, making contact with the head and, and throwing his arm. I thought that was far more dangerous, yeah. and and he got sent. So. 
Anyway, uh, then um, your Panthers were too good for the Storm. Storm a couple of players out, but the Penrith juggernaut, I just, from a, um, from a football purist point of view, I just can't be more impressed with, with what they're doing out there. They're just, it's unbelievable. Yep. Uh, and stick my hand up. Jealous. Wish my team was like that. Uh, the Broncos, 30-14 to 14 over the Cowboys. Broncos missing Adam Reynolds and... I thought um, they were – the Cowboys can consider themselves lucky. I think the Broncos left a few out there. So um, I'll ask you in a second if you uh, if you disagree, but my tip at this stage of the year is Broncos, Panthers, GF. So mm. um, then the uh, Dolphins and the Knights. Uh, I think the uh, Knights won that 28 to – uh, t- twenty-eight to eighteen. Did they get over, uh, over the they top did, in the mate. end? Yeah. Yep. What have we got those? Uh, I, I got that one. Right. We're gonna yep. have to sack the producer around here. <laughs> the 20- Where is he? <laughs> that was me. That one. <laughs> uh, the Sharkies. That one's not wrong. Twenty-six to sixteen over Seas over in Perth. Did not pick that. So it was a double header in Perth. Double header in the Perth. The double header in Optus Stadium. Um, and is that a, obviously a manifestation of most of the stadia being out? due to the World Cup? Because I, I, I thought it made sense. Yeah, so they do take a game over to Perth mm. um, most years, I believe. I think Seas go over there a fair bit. Yeah. Um, so I don't – I think this might be the first time they've returned since COVID. Okay. So yeah. – but obviously the promotion out in the West is considered a priority by the NRL. They want to mm. – I think eventually they want to team out Because the Seas have been on some sort of a road trip, mm. really, when you think about it. The yeah. last few games. Yeah. Uh, Sunshine Coast – I believe Townsville, out to Perth. So I think that so was a deliberate choice yeah. by them why the World Cup was on the the, the tour yeah. of the tour of the rabbits. Mm. Smart marketing, you know, get your get your brand not out. Not when there you're to, losing all your games. No, no, not real good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair call. <laughs> Shit call by me. <laughs> no, no. I, I look, I, I'm, I forgot about that but, tiny. <laughs> but you tried. I tried. But not. you tried. That's the main thing. <laughs> Oh, and uh, the Eels got over the Dragons 26-20 to 20 in a bludger of a match. Um, but, um, yeah, got, all you could take away from that if you're a Parramatta fan is the W. And the Raiders beat um, the, the Tigers 22-18 to 18 with some uh, controversy. And the Doggies uh, managed to fall over against the bye as well, so... Happy well, days there. Well earned two points for the Bulldogs there. That's, um, yeah, yep. much needed. So uh, my match of the round, I had the Panthers versus the Storm, but I couldn't give it to them because uh, your Panthers were far too good. uh, I went the Raiders versus the Tigers because I got to see a fair bit of the last part of that game and it was just a really tight contest and it was. I found myself as an um, an in partial fan mm. watching it and trying to cheer the Tigers home. They they got a couple of sets of six right at the end where they had an opportunity and then they had – there was a, a player bundled in a touch and then there was a penalty given and they had one last throw of the dice and it didn't work out for them but I, um, I found it a really great theatre and it got my match of the round. Yeah, I, I'm a bit uh, similar as well, mate. I had the prediction of the Eels versus the Dragons. Um, oh. You know <laughs> – Vomit. Anyway, um, however, I would say my match of the round was uh, the Warriors versus the Titans, Mm. purely because not only was it a good match, but it was also the fact that despite having Mo Fodawaka sent off, I mean, the Titans were were immense. Yeah, and they have been for a couple of weeks. You know, they dug their heels in um, for for a side who, 
is working under an interim coach, has got Des Hasler, proven winner, proven, you know, game changer in terms of a squad, galvanising a squad, making them fit, making them durable. Um, I think it's good times for the Titans, to be honest. They're, they're wrapping a lot of the players they want up in contracts, so yep. there's no real big major movements. You know, obviously the, the talk about David Fafita and Tino and any uncertainty there doesn't appear like that's around anymore. So, yeah, for Gold Coast fans... So a month ago, mate, they were, um, Ben Hunt was all but signed, sealed and delivered. Now that's gone a little bit quiet. They're going to wait to the off-season to discuss that. Do yeah. they need Ben Hunt? Is that where they need to spend a million dollars a year? <sighs> Um, I, I think it's going to come down to money mm. uh, because Tanner Boyd is not Ben Hunt. No. But Tanner Boyd is not going to cost you a million dollars a season. So, you know, I think that might be a, a situation where, you know, we, you know, there could be other external reasons, whether it be third parties or other issues is the reason why it hasn't been announced or it could be something as simple as Des going, you know what, just let's let's play it out for a couple of weeks. I I would assume that something has been sorted because I can't see Ben Hunt going into an off-season without any certainty, especially when he's going to command that sort of money. Well, he's he's on contract with the Dragons for the yeah. next two years, so they got to release him. I wouldn't be releasing him. Unless I had something in return, mm. I, I'd be saying, "Well, send us Tino, S- send us Dave for feeder." And then yeah. I, I know they can't do that because technically they can go anywhere. Yeah, and and I suppose the the issue with that first and George Illawarra would be the fact that that would be another player who would be sent to your club who would then come out on Fox Sports and say that they didn't want to go, <laughs> and they were told by the manager they had to go. Hey, <laughs> that was I mean. Moses silly. Like, I mean, he just, I fair play to the fellow for calling his ears. But if I was a general manager of football at a club and a player said that, I'd say, look, mate, you you probably need to go elsewhere. Oh, that's the same bloke who Desi Hasler was driving around and like dropping, um, like, um, boxes of Hello Fresh around oh, yes. and things like that. So, oh, yeah. maybe up to the Titans. You never know. All right, mate. So, yep, a couple of um, couple of different matches for us for the week. Some Look, big. Sorry, mate. Before I before we jump ahead, so I, I was really really pleased with the Titans. I thought they were they were great. Um, obviously, the Warriors they they just keep chalking along, keep chalking along, which is is going to be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on. Mm. Third, third, the Warriors. Well, I'd say they'll make the top four now. Mm. Their draw is relatively decent coming home. So. It's interesting, though, when you look at the betting markets, South Sydney, who are eighth mm. and on the slide, are still paying an equivalent price as the Melbourne Storm at seven fifty. Yeah. You and know, I, I, you know, that just gets you thinking, and the bookies are thinking, you know, is this going to be a final series where someone from the bottom half of the eight actually makes a run, a la Parramatta in 09? Yeah. Well, I've... I've Thrown away because I've given you a tip earlier that there's going to be Broncos versus Panthers. But I did think, um, I think I mentioned it on the show about uh, eight weeks ago that uh, one of South Sydney, Parramatta and the Cowboys will miss out on the final mm. and one will make the grand final. That's just the feel I had about a couple of months ago. Now it looks like multiple of those teams, maybe all will miss out. And yeah. Yeah, certainly the grand final. It's, it's still super close. So at the moment, you know, between tenth to uh, to seventh, there's a point in it. So Knights are on twenty seven. They got the draw against the Sea Eagles earlier in the year. Uh, Rabbits, Eels, Cowboys on twenty six. Yep. 
Uh, Sharks are still not out of the woods. They're on 28 points, so they're only, you know, a poor result away from being dragged into that dogfight. So, I mean, you would say that Raiders and Storm this late in the in the competition with what was it, four rounds to go yep. are probably going to sneak in. Yeah. You know, they're going to, you know, Raiders and Storm on 30. Yeah, I mean, it's it's anyone's game. It's, it really is, and it's really going to be fascinating how it plays out. I, I don't... You know, at the top of the tail, it's Penrith and the and the Broncos will go neck and neck. Um, you know, I'm not too certain on the on the draws for those two teams, but yeah, I, I mean that they could possibly even finish the year out with wins and and tied at the top. Well, all I'm certain about is they both play Parramatta in the next three weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, and I wouldn't put it past Parramatta putting up a result. You know, Parramatta have played really well against the Panthers uh, in previous seasons when their backs have been up against the wall. And, um, mate, I'd love for the, the the Eels, you know, say, for example, they knock over a Broncos or a Panthers. I mean, that's the kickstart. You know, that's what you're looking for as a fan. That's what you're looking for. Um, to get a few players back on the field as well consistently will help, but I think it, it's just feeling like it's a, um, a uh, bit late. Did Andrew Demetrio look a bit defeated on the weekend? Or did he look like he, he to me he looked like he was ask, he was asking questions that he didn't know where he was going to get the answers from it in his press conference he, yeah yeah I, I think I think um, the way sharks were going he would have seen this as a real opportunity to kickstart their season and he or kickstart their season I, I mean kickstart their run home missing that game after the travel that they've had, the lack of results they've had, I think he knows it's going to be a hard slog from here on out. And every week that goes by, like the Cowboys, like Paramount of these teams who went well last year, who were just expecting to kick in the gear mm. through injuries, suspension, stupidity, whatever, they just can't seem to get enough momentum going to really fight for it. That's what it looked like with Demetrio to me. He looked mm. like he was like a bloke who was saying... Footy gods are saying no to me. This is not my year. But he didn't yeah. use the L word, did he? No, no. And um, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big time for that the first South Sydney as a club as well. You know, they got big moves coming in the off season. There's going to be a lot of expectation, mm. and to see this year sort of just taper off and you know almost go into the abyss. You know, under the expectation that there will be immediate improvement next year, that's a, that's a fair bit of pressure to put on an organisation. Yeah, definitely. Mate, the send-offs. The send-offs. Yeah, so I think it had been quite a while since, I could be wrong about this, since we'd actually seen a send-off. I think they said it had been a decent stretch of seven or eight rounds or something, which is a fairly long period of time in the game we've got at the moment. It wasn't, it's not that long ago where... It was going seven or eight years without yeah. a send-off. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we covered it a little bit earlier. I, I, I thought if you wanted to draw a line between the Nathan Brown and the Mo Fodawaker, I thought Nathan Brown was reckless. Yep. And I thought... Um, Fodawaker's was a tackle that went wrong. A tackle that went wrong. So yeah. maybe you go with careless. So I thought maybe... My opinion is Mo, 10 minutes would have done the job. Nathan Brown, I thought the send-off was, no, mate, you can't sprint out of the line and throw your arm recklessly and make contact with the head. Uh, you're using key terminology oh, that stop. sounds like it's come straight out of the uh, <laughs> judiciary, mate. Careless oh. and reckless. You've got some inside knowledge on this. I Care- love it. Well, they used to have it, careless, reckless and intentional. Yep. Yet someone punching someone in the face never got an k- intentional charge. Mm. How many... <laughs> um, 
How many non-intentionals did Mark Geyer get back in the day? <laughs> oh, Old MG. What a MG, legend. MG, MG. <laughs> Uh, a hero of the West, Absolutely. and of course I mean the Western Reds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, look, I, I think they were both fair, and um, like I said, uh, I know you probably the one you'd question would be Mo Fodawaker if it was just a straight up that was the tackle in question, but the fact that he'd had the warning prior to that, the, you know, serious injury that or the mm. serious nature of, of Charles Nickel Clockstad's position, you know, I think the referee was given no yep. no choice. Yeah. Oh and you know what, if that's the standard, that's the standard. Oh no drama with it. I don't think we'll be seeing a grand final day. No. Um well, that's yes, obviously. Yeah. We say that every year though. That's right, that's right. What else we got, mate? Mate, so some mixed results over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think we've started to see some games really blow out. And uh, we've also sort of seen some some teams put in some substandard performances. Mm. I know you've touched on this in in weeks gone by and offered possible solutions, but it made me start to think: Is the season too long? Are we damaging the product? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know each game that we play is a game that we can sell, and that's a game we can make revenue off. That's a game we can make money off. But mm-hmm. is it time to consider for the like? Is it going? Would we have a better product if instead of twenty-seven rounds we stripped it back to twenty rounds? Yeah, look, I I can see that as as definitely an option or something you would bring to the table. However, I I just you know sort of playing devil's advocate here. Is it just the unique nature of this season and the way it's played out? Because if we look at you know, yes, it's going to be hotly contested around those four positions sitting at the eight. But really everything around that, with still four rounds to go, you can pretty much, yeah. you know, by looking at the draw, you can go, look, we can predict well and truly where that looks like it's going to head. Yeah. You know, the Broncos and the Panthers are out, streaked out in front. You know, they, those two will go neck and neck for the for the minor premiership. But other than that, most of the teams are really just jockeying for position. Yeah. You know, they resting players, getting players back from injury. You've seen with Luttrell coming back, um, you know, South... Sydney had obviously battled a fair bit with injury. The Raiders just trying to keep chugging over the the engine that has picked up a bit of steam mid-season. The Cowboys looking to prime themselves for maybe an assault. Um, yeah, it, it seems like a lot of chess, movement of chess pieces going on at the moment, which could potentially be impacting what's actually happening on a week-to-week basis on the field. Yep. You know, that's that's probably what I, I would see. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, mate. Yeah, it's a fair point. I um, <coughs> I, I guess it. I guess the NRL wouldn't have a problem with it because there are so many questions now. There mm. are there are so many fans who are sitting there saying, "Oh, this could happen. This could happen," et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I guess until there is an issue with player welfare as far as there seem to be more players breaking down and not being able to handle the 27-round competition, and clearly those are injuries which are linked to uh, overuse, fatigue, um, then there's probably not going to be much change. Yeah. So, I mean, but if you're looking, looking at the table, either, if I said to you at the start of the season, the Eels, Cowboys, Seagulls and Roosters would be sitting outside of the eight with four rounds to go and looking like they're really, really struggling to get momentum and mm. actually have a crack at making the eight, 
it'd probably they tell could you, you, you probably would have said I was I was off me dial. Yeah, you're kidding, aren't you? But you know, that, but that's just the nature of this season, the way, especially the Roosters. The Roosters have been so disappointing. Yeah, and the the Seagulls they've had their injury problems, like they they often have. Um, you know, it's become a bit of a bit of a telltale story for them over the last few seasons, but. You know, I think I think that's probably plays into to where we're at as a competition at the moment. Does that get enhanced by a mid-season break? Maybe, um, but yeah, I mean that's yeah. I don't know if it's um, yeah. I don't know if it's terminal. This sort of idea that it's uh, this, there's going to be a lull in the back end of the season. I think it may be just a, a season twenty twenty three issue. Yep. Mm. I um certainly a couple of seasons under the new structure we need to see before we make any decisions. But we'll we'll keep you up to date on the sports detention. Don't worry about that. And NRL, if you want to drag us in for consultation, I mean we're happy to come in. We are happy to come in, um, mate. One more thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, for for well, actually, there's a couple more things I want to touch on. <laughs> yeah, mate, we're locked and loaded. We're, we're locked and loaded. Uh, the NRLW, some spectacular talent out there and some really, really good matches going on, but they've added four teams in the last mm. two years. Uh, what I'd like us to, and we probably can't make comment on it just yet, we'll wait till the season's completely done and we'll, we'll do a, a bit of a review of the NRLW, but I've noticed yeah. a bit of a trend. So, a couple of the scores for you, mate. So, um, 36 to 18, 36 to 8. That's round one. Mm. Round two. 38 to 12. 31 20. Round three. 30 nil. 40 to 12. 38 to 4. Now, that's just some of the games. Mm. I'm just noticing that there seems to be a lot of shellackings going on out there. Yeah. So, um, you know, upping the teams from. Um, so we're at ten teams now, yeah. And only a couple of years ago, we were at four. Yeah. So I, look, I'm I'm okay with it. I I think there's an expectation that that was going to be the case. So this is just part of the process. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Like, you look at um, you know, remember the old, you know, the the Holden twenties or the Toyota twenties that yeah, they yeah. had. You know, there was some, you know, there was cricket scores that were going on on a weekly basis. Um. They, they made decisions which eventually led to the demise of that competition. Um, I think a lot of it was around costings and the like and having a, a side that had to travel nationally, both nationally and internationally to compete in their games. Um, I think there was a lot of those things. But there were also, too, some real positives mm. about it. You know, the, I mean, the Warriors always had the ability to recruit really well during that time because young, under-20-year-old, New Zealand rugby rugby league athletes could get on TV. Yeah, saw and a they, pathway. They loved it, yeah. you know. So I think there was some damage done there in terms of not taking advantage of that sort of aspect. Um, I think a lot of the young players got a taste of what professionalism looked like without putting in the yards. Yep. You know what I mean? So there might have been players that were in those squads that were probably going to, you know, have to work a lot harder, you know, to make it as a professional rugby league player, but then they got this taste of what the life was like as an NRL player in under-20s, and then when they were asked to, you know, well, the next step is to go back to Queensland Cup, Ron Massey, Sydney Shield, you know, those, those local competitions, even your local A-grade, to cut your teeth before coming back in and being on the fringes of those New South Wales Cup sides, 
they really, really struggled. Yeah. And um, so, there were, yeah, it was almost like, um, yeah, a bit of a gap there and the expectation on kids at 20 just didn't marry up with what was being asked of them. So yeah. um, I think this is, you know, these are going to be the growing pains of the NRLW. I think there's going to be certain, you know, criticisms of the competition and the fact that, you know, the players – some may not or some squads may be, you know, quite light in comparison to others and there will be those results. But I, I'm very – and we already discussed it, mate. I, I think we stick with it as oh, it yeah, is. Yeah. But, like, we don't expand. Yep. I think probably another four years before we expand. Yeah. Let's just dig deep, let that talent pull. So four years is a is a decent time for, for new talent to come through. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we let that talent pull filter through. And then um, I think you'd, you'd look at expansion and you'd look at holistic expansion. You'd look at, say, for example, my club at Penrith, having a squad there ready to go that they've nurtured. Yeah. You know, because they've got the players out there. Yeah, over that period of time there'll be certain, you know, players who are poached to go to other teams because they're yeah. NRL ready. But, you know, that's a part of the process. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, it Expanding the product always had to happen. And um, I guess the jump happened a little bit quicker than perhaps um, I thought it would. But Yeah, I, I don't know why that is, mate, but I, I would question whether there has been external pressure, you yeah. know, because I think, you know, I think we as fans, sometimes we do underestimate, you know, how strong our voice can be within a, the operations of a club as well. So, you know, if you're I – would, I would assume, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not at the foot of the mountains, um, you know, as a – rural-based fan of Penrith. Um, but I'd say there'd be a lot of pressure for the Panthers to push forward and get an NRLW side. Yeah. yeah. You know, there'd be a lot of pressure from fans going, hey, how come everybody else has got one and we don't, you know? So there's decisions around club land that certain clubs have got to make. And I would say that there would be clubs who are now fielding an NRLW side that would have had discussions in that boardroom as to whether they were ready or not and then, you know, decided to take the punt. Yeah. So, Yeah. All right, yeah. Well, interesting times. We'll have another bit of a look at the NRLW um, as a whole um, leading into the finals uh, oh, uh, in the, in our season review. Now, now, Potty, mate, my wife, she criticises me at times, which is okay. I can take criticism. But one of the things she says about me is I don't know how to, how to and when to admit that I'm wrong. Mm. What about Graham Annesley, mate? Oh, mate, Graham Annesley. So <coughs> we've spoken about the uh, referees on um, the sports detention before, mate, and you've brought up the idea that, you know, referees should have to front up to um, the presses afterwards then mm. and, um, you know, have discussions over certain decisions. That's not happening, and Anna's Lee's been with, open. With the freedom of not being haggled. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. to be able to, you know, and... I think you said a lot when you like a manager has the ability to go back and go, look, I haven't seen it on the video. Yeah. Moving on. And I think if referees had that freedom to be able to go, look, yes, I know you're asking about this specific error. I haven't looked at it back. You know, I can't answer that for you now. And it's a move on. Yeah. I'd, I'd be more than happy for refs to front up to a presser. Yeah. Uh, but what's become a little bit of a, a trend this year or over the last couple of years is Graham Annesley will come out and he'll admit that, uh, 
a referee has got it wrong. And it happened twice over the weekend, or I think it happened three times, but I'll bring up two instances now. One was the um, St. George Illawarra no try, the Steelers, mm. when uh, Gutherson has um, uh, dived to make a try-saving tackle and he has... Um, the strip. He has stripped the ball out, okay? And... Um, but was he in the act of scoring a try? Yes. So essentially the, 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 what Annesley has said is, oh, the referee got that wrong because it was, um, there was intent to strip, so it wasn't a loose carry. If you watch it in slow-mo, that, that's exactly what it, it looks like because mm. his hand's right on the ball and then when he loses grip of the ball, Gutherson's hand um, pull, like clearly looks like he pulled, pulled it away. But if you watch it in normal speed, it looks like he just dives and right, exactly. grabbing on any, anything mm. he could. So I don't know how he can comment on but intent. Kate, so the rule is you can strip it if the player... Oh, it was one-on-one. On one. Yeah. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't a penalty anyway. Yeah, but yeah. so, I mean, regardless of that, yeah. you know, the player's going through. If he doesn't make it a play at him... He's going to score a try anyway. So yeah. if the ball comes out, it's essentially he was in the act of scoring a try. Yeah. Shut so, the ball. So Yeah. Well, they've got weird rulings around the act of scoring yeah. a try as I, well. I, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and you know my thoughts on I that. Do, if you I are do, running with the pill under your arm, you are in the act of scoring a try. That's right. That's right. How he could say, oh, if Gutherson hadn't stripped it, he would have scored, and then say he wasn't in the act of scoring a try, I'll never know. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, which was, uh, I know, oh, disclaimer, mate, this is going to fire you up, mate. This is going to fire you yeah, up. okay. So um, in the Raiders versus, um, I spoke a little bit about the Raiders uh, Tigers and there was, I mentioned that there was some controversy in the game and the controversy came around. Raiders Tigers? Raiders Tigers. Oh. Yeah, well, I, I don't recall this, mate. Tell oh. me, tell me more. This was when... Um, uh, the Raiders scored a try down their left-hand side and um, uh, uh, is it uh, Sebastian Chris? Um, was uh, that the NRL? The NRL, mate. Oh, was it? Oh, mate. I thought Sebastian Chris was playing wide receiver for the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders and they were playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. No, Okay, mate. I didn't realise it was the Canberra Raiders versus the West Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Mate. So needless to say, it was a... Uh, that was a completion. That's it, what that was. So we're going to skip over a couple of things here. One, how the touchy mister who was st- standing right there. Just for the argument's sake, we're just going to skip that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you would be assuming that the touchy actually had a job. That's right. That's right. Um, but it was quite clearly a forward pass, was it not, on the replay? Yeah. Uh, Yet we can't... The, the video ref is not able to rule on a forward pass on a replay because of a range of different reasons. But basically they say you, you can't tell the angles or something like that really, isn't it? These fucking knobs can tell you, and you've started me, Potty. I knew I would, mate. You've started me. They can tell the oscillation of a rugby league football as to whether someone has touched the ball as it's come in and been passed, yep. yet they can't rule on a forward pass. So that's, that is true and a fantastic point. But my – the thing I've got to ask you, Annesley 
as a part of the NRL, as the boss of the referees, has said, we cannot look at a video and rule on Ford Pass. Mm. So how the fuck can you look at the video the day after and tell me the referee was wrong? If, a, if somebody can't sit there and look at it and make a judgment, how can you judge them based on mm. the same thing? Because he's the boss. Oh, mate. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I've looked at the video and got it wrong. Hang on. You can't look it's, at the video it's and blat- judge a it's forward blatantly, pass. It's blatantly obvious. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's extremely frustrating for fans. It, it is because it is, if it's that you know, blatantly obvious that you can go out there and you can tell the press and make the call, why don't you let the referees make that blatantly obvious call? Mate, we live in a world where... If a ball crosses a white chalked line, a referee can get a little tickle on his wrist, a vibration on his wrist. Yet in rugby league, we can't rule off a forward pass on video. I mean, we're backwards. (laughs) Oh, mate, so the referees... Yes, we went soft on you last week, but you didn't escape it this no. week. We were coming. We were coming. No. Um, look, mate, uh, something that was was I couldn't go past, and I and I know I poked the bear last week with it with uh, Melbourne, the Melbourne Storm, and their continued piss take of the fact that they won two premierships that were stripped off them. Cheaters. Um, yeah. Look, I they doubled down this week. You know, they're taking it to the next level. And, you know, I know he, I know often, and I love Gordy, but often Gordy says things in the media and talks about he has ideas, but you don't get a real context of what he's saying mm. around it. And it just comes off as if he's making a ridiculous argument. But then when you actually start to peel back, you go, oh, I get what he's saying now. Yeah. And I think he's had another one of those moments as well. So I'll start with the Melbourne Storm. So Cameron Smith and Billy Slater. So Billy came out first and, you know, his comment, um, as reported by Fox Sports, would say, look, do we just wipe their careers? You know, the players that were in that premiership, those premiership winning teams or the teams that are straight. Do we just wipe their careers or do we acknowledge that they contributed to the game? They went through pre-seasons and they went and put their body on the line. So the question that Billy would say is, do we just erase it? And Cameron steps in and says, look, I, I fully support what Billy's saying. Yes. Yeah. that's That was the whole point of taking the premierships off you, is to erase them. Yes. That's exactly what it yeah. is. Did you not get that? Yeah. I mean, you were in the squad. Yeah. You guys had them take – you walked across your training pitch as a squad and made that decision after you had been erased. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. You know, the fact that you can stand by and, you know, argue this point, which is, you know, and go, oh, do we erase the... Yeah, that's exactly... That was the whole point of getting them stripped. That's why there's no premiership winner in the record books. That's right. So you use the actual, the correct terminology, erase, because that's exactly what the attempt was to do by the NRL. This isn't a new thing in sport, though. No. Ben Johnson got stripped of his gold medal from 88, didn't he? Do we just do we not? That is such a great point. Yeah. Do we not? What about the blood, sweat, and tears of Ben Johnson? Like he would have worked hard for that. Ben Johnson had striations in his eyeballs. <laughs> That's how ready he was. <laughs> ben Johnson 
was pissing hot for the next 20 years, he went to the nth degree to win gold. Yeah. Do we just wipe him from the books, Potty? No. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> You're starting to – Cameron Smith's got you. No, You're coming not. over. Well, a- another example. Exactly. You wipe him from the books because he cheated. Yeah. Uh, Usain Bolt, the great Usain Bolt, mm. nine-time Olympic gold medalist. No, eight-time. He had one of them taken off him because his relay team partner tested positive, so everyone lost their gold medal. Mm. That's. I mean, it's clear that they're trying to wipe Usain Bolt out yeah, of the record that, books. That's right. They're trying to rid him they if are. you speak Melbourne Storm talk. Oh, but at least Lance Armstrong's got his um, Tour oh, de France title. <laughs> yes. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just silly. It's just silly. I, I can understand, you know, there's probably a, a role that Cameron Smith and Billy Slater, who was hyper successful in there throughout their whole Melbourne Storm career, are probably thinking about the players who never played, you know, I, I would assume I'm throwing names out, like, uh, you know, a Todd Lowry. A, Aiden Tolman. You know, Aiden Tolman, a Rory Kosh Jason, or, you know, those players who... You know, and I'm only, just yeah. Mick Crocker only one in that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't want those players to miss out. Um, and based I'm on just, the fact that they got a boat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm shooting from the hip. I don't know. There's obviously other players, and I don't know whether those players were in those squads. But um, the type of player that we mentioned that would be, you know, not have that opportunity. But you know, as we mentioned, they got them stripped. They can come down, have a couple of beers, yeah, stand off to the side, and celebrate the premierships. That were legitimate. We won. That's right. That's right. Pretty simple. I thought so, mate. Mate, um, Sean Johnson. I got him what down as my favourite for the Dally M, mate. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah. So I, I threw a couple of other names out there. Payne Haas mm, uh, yep. was, was one I tipped at the beginning of the year, and he's been very good. However, you made a good point the other day, mate. There's going to be a lot of good players nicking points off him. Yeah. I think Reese Walsh is probably the big one there. Yeah. Um, Adam Reynolds might have picked up a few loose ones. You, you, you know, Payne Haas is – he would have been in the points the majority of the matches. But, um, yeah, I, I'd be interested. I, I just think Sean Johnson has been the shining light at the Warriors. And I think he would have been – with what he's doing – at the Warriors, week in, week out, he'd be taking the majority of the plaudits. It'd be hard hence, to think he's not banking points every yeah, hence the points. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of this is completely unnecessary to even discuss until Craig Gower gets his Dally M from 2003. I mean, because there's no... I mean, they can't really award it legitimately until Gower gets his medal. No. But if they were to hand out a medal this year despite not giving Craig Gary's due, I would say Sean Johnson's the man for me. Yeah, I like him, mate. I like him. Um, what mate, else we got, mate? Um, Ricky Stewart. We love Ricky here. Mm, and yeah. a hell of a coach. Great New South Welshman and, and part of one of the great teams of all time. But did you know he could predict the future? He's, a, he's in recruitment, apparently. He's in recruitment. Oh, yes. Tell us about that, mate. Mate, Salmon's a dog. Salmon is a Salmon dog. Salmon is a dog. So, um, obviously, he must have... I mean, Ricky described him as a weak gutted dog. However, he must have, you know, had some treatment. Yep. He's, uh, he's gone and seen a vet. He's um he's had the whether it be a, a bowel condition that he 
was predisposed to. It. It's been eradicated because now he's just a dog. He is. Just he a dog. is a bulldog. Uh, Jamin Salmon, big pickup for the Bulldogs. I think it's a it's a smart one. He's a good, you know, great good depth player. Yeah, good. I, good. I love having him at Penrith and coming on. He's very direct when he comes off the bench. Runs hard um, and he fills in. You know, he can play in the halves. He can play in the back row. He's filled in in the centres before in finals matches. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's, he's a good he's, pickup for them. Yeah, he sort of feeling that. Um, uh, Tylan, is it Tylan May or um, Tyrone May? Um, Tyrone May, yeah. yeah Tyrone yeah. May, he played in the 14 a couple of years ago, so yeah. he's, he's sort of feeling that role, and Penrith have loved having him there for that reason. But it's just, it's such a good, a great bonus that he can play in the back row. Mm. You can carry him on the bench, and even if nothing happens to someone in your back line, you I can believe get him he, on. Yeah, I believe he was a six, so yeah. he's got that skill set. He probably hasn't got the size of a Wade Graham. No. But he's definitely got the ability to play those positions that Way Graham and that similar role that Way Graham has played, but just probably not with the you know, the impact that Way Graham would have on games. Yeah. Mm. And um mate, Sammy Burgess. Sam Burgess. This time twelve months ago he's coaching the Aurora Valley Axeman. Mate. Now He's uh, chucked in the job at South. He said, I can't be here next year. He's headed over the Super League. Look, Warrington Wolves. Look, when you experience success in Group 2, I mean, there, where can you not go? Well, mate, you know, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So he's off to off to Warrington. It's um yeah. So Daryl Powell's been moved removed from his position at Warrington. He's a long term coach there, a very experienced coach. Um, I think it's an opportunity for for Sam Burgess to get over there and and get some head coaching experience. I think he'll get, I think he'll get a lot of give over there. Yeah, you know, he's a legend. He's you know, and um you know for his coaching journey to be able to sink his teeth into. You know, being a head coach and um, and Warrington's a good it's a good football club. Yeah, you know, like it's it's not a bad job that one. You know, you're not going into a, you know a London Broncos. You're not going into you know a side that is going to require a lot. He'll have more. some help there. He'll yeah. have some support. It's a it's a well run organization, Warrington, and a very very big football club. You know, so he'll be competitive. We love the Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Good on you, Sammy, and all the best over there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he, you know, I think there's a chance you'll see him in the NRL again one day. Yeah, and and obviously there's a um, there's a lot of players running around in local bush footy who are thinking now, well, if Sam can make that step up, then I'm obviously on the cusp of making the NRL or the Super League next year. Are, as well. you, are you suggesting there's uh, half a dozen axemen from last year who was <laughs> who were dusting off the boots, thinking that they're mate, they they, book they, their flight to the north of England? Mate, they are dusting off their resumes and they're sending them <laughs> via fax. Oh, and all the best, all the best, mate. Ne- just next round, mate. What do we got before we finish up with the footy? Next round, uh, Manly versus the Riff. Sharkies versus the Titans, Broncos versus the Eels, the Rabbits versus the Dragons, Tigers versus the Warriors, Roosters versus the Redcliffe Dolphins, Storm versus the Raiders, Knights v the Dogs, and the Cows get the bye. Yes. Um, match the round, mate. I've gone the Bronx and the Eels. Ooh, yep. I don't see it going that way, but I hope you are right. I think it'll be a good match. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a good match because I think it's got the potential to be a real, you know, heavy hitter. Um, if both teams play as good as I know they can play, 
Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking for a good game of rugby league. I hope you're right, mate. Just based on recent form, I'm seeing it go a different way, unfortunately. But um, I'm backing you in there, mate. Mm. I'm on the Storm versus the Raiders. They've had some absolute cracking matches over the last few years, and um, the Raider, the Storm, I think, got the Raiders early this year. But the Raiders have had the wood on them, especially in mm. a couple of big matches recently. So I'll be interested to see how this one goes, and they always tend to be good. Storm Raiders, mate. Storm Raiders qualifying final 2003. Oh, yeah. The game that changed rugby league. Yeah. The grapple tackle. The grapple tackle. That's where it was first outed in the media as the the tactics, wrestling tactics that Melbourne Storm were implementing. Yeah, well. Changed the game. Mm. Mate. I mean, we've got chicken wings, we've got all sorts of wrestling moves, but if you go back and watch that match from 2003. I think there was a picture there of Robbie Kearns trying to rip someone's fucking head off. <laughs> like, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it was effective. And it was, it was. Um, yep, so... But no doubt it changed the game. You yeah. know, it changed the game as we, as we see it. Oh, we are historians here. We try our best. All right, mate. Well, that does us for the footy, I think. Stream of the week, mate. Stream of the week. Now, stream of the week, mate. We're going we're gonna to parlay stream of the week this week. We're going to go into a bit of a fight analysis as well because, I mean, it popped up on Netflix and obviously, I mean, I do not have a degree in the areas of marketing, but I would say there was something in it. The Untold Jake Paul documentary. We were all over this, mate. The second we saw it come up, there was no question. No, was that was going to be stream of the week. Uh, however, it was, it was backed on. Obviously, the release during the week was backed on with his pay-per-view bout against Nate Diaz over the weekend. So, um, yeah, first of all, we'll cover the docker. We'll go into that and then we'll we'll have a bit of a discussion and a breakdown of the boxing fight on the weekend. How's that sound, mate? Fantastic. So what do you think of the docker? Mate, I thought it was really, really good. Um, you know, there was nothing overly surprising about the documentary. Um, you know, it was obviously, you know, when, you, when you're doing a documentary on a, on a polarising character, you're always going to get you know, a good side or a, a portrayal of, of what that person is like behind closed doors, which is going to be favourable. But, you know, I never had a different opinion of him like that anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been a, a fan of the Paul brothers. I, I love what they do in terms of their entertainment and the like. So, you know, it wasn't like I was being swayed by a portrayal via a documentary. I, I had my own opinions on those fellas. And, um, but it was a really, really good story, a really good insight into their upbringing. Obviously, them jumping on the back of the Vine phenomenon, yep. the um, you know, viral videos and then into YouTubing and where that's led them uh, today is it's fascinating. And, you know, I think both Jake and Logan play a prominent part in the, in the doco and, it was, yeah, it was good. What yeah. do you think, mate? Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. I um, <laughs> I was a bit like you in the fact that I hadn't re- um, really bought into, um, like I, I admired them both as well. I um, I, I thought um, what they've both done uh, professionally as well. So uh, Jake Paul's obviously been boxing, but Logan Paul's been um, wrestling in mm. the WWE as well and he, having some... He's boxed, yeah. Yeah, so I think he, he main-evented. Um, they went to Saudi Arabia um, mm. last year and he made a main-evented a match for the world title. And, he, like, they're athletes, aren't they, those, oh, yeah. those guys? Yeah, and I mean... The things that they're dipping their toe into and they're having, you know, relative success, they're not having world 
renowned success, whether yeah. it be boxing or wrestling or not, people focus on them. Yeah. The one percenters focus on them as a career and yeah. these guys are just stepping in and, and entertaining. I think one of the examples of that was obviously when Jake headed to LA and he picked up a Disney show. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you think <laughs> you think about the kids out there who just carve out their craft for a lifetime, whether it be through performing arts schools, specialised training, tutorials, everything, that they just absolutely blood, sweat and tears. And this kid comes off out from Ohio, a YouTuber, and gets a role on a Disney show. Yeah. Just because he was the, the character that fit the role. I mean, I guess um, considering their successes, it, it, it's obvious when you reflect on it, but the one one of the things that the doco highlighted was how driven they mm. they are as well and how hardworking they are. Because I think sometimes there might be the perception out there that these guys fell into fame and fortune with dumb luck. No, no, and that's what I say there. Like, I mean, they've come out there because who makes a decision at their age to go out to LA anyway? Yeah. You know, just on their own. But also, too, the, he got the role because he's super talented and he wanted it. Yeah. And he was working his ass off. Yeah. That's, that's why he got the role. Yeah. You know, but, you know, comparing that to people who have just put it through, it shows you the talent and the drive that, that they both yeah. have. So, uh, mm. another, another thing I found interesting, I know you did as well, was uh, the Furies. Uh, yeah. In, in, the, um, in the doco as well. Yeah, so I, I like um, even coming through the upbringing. So they talk about the upbringing of Jake and Logan coming through and, you know, just, you know, they were athletes and it highlights the fact that they, they participate in wrestling, football, you know, and they, they come into that fame at really at the peak of that social media generation yep. and when it when it drove. But they also talked about um, the fall from grace that yeah. both of them had. I, I don't know whether they overplayed that in my eyes a bit because I don't – even though, yes, there would have been a fall from grace business-wise in terms of, you know, sponsorships and the like, but – They've, they they never they were never bigger no. you know they got they got bigger and better afterwards <laughs> you know like um no sorry I mean they've publicity. never been bigger yeah you know J- um, Logan obviously with the the issue in Japan where he went into the forest that was a very well publicized thing yeah. um, they did silly things they did dumb things as young people and they were very provocative in how they did things but you know I mean they'd always you know they'd Always had success with it, though. Yeah. You know, it appears. So, yeah. Um, you know, building back up. So it was, it was obviously shaped as that he built his reputation back up through boxing. Um, you know, I think he was still he was still quite popular, quite successful in, you know, the things that he did around that, and so was Logan. Um, but you, you see the first amateur bite fight that he has against KSI's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you realise how terrible he is. Yeah. To see him now boxing, that, that's enough for you to go, oh, geez, like this guy, he, yeah, he's working. Yeah. Like he's working he, and he's, he's, got, he's talented, you know, because he was awful in that first fight. And then what was that, four years ago? Yeah. And now, you know, yes, they are MMA fighters, but they've seen it all and he's knocking them out. So did I hear he came out and uh, boldly claimed he wanted to be a world champion by 2026? Depends on what world champion we're talking about there, yeah. and you know, boxing's a weird game. There are some world champ, there's some world titles out there that you know, if he was to say, oh, "I want to be a world champion by 2026," I'd say, "Well, it's possible." 
yeah. anything's possible. Um, realistically, is he going to be holding one of the established belts in either the WBC, WBA, WBO, IBF? No. 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 <laughs> I don't think so. However, I think he's found and carved out a really, really good niche. Yeah. You spoke um, and said about the Furies and – I think that's where the penny has dropped for a lot of people in boxing. And it appeared as though when they highlighted that in the documentary that, and I'd mentioned that I don't think Tyson Fury fights Francis Ngannou if Tommy Fury didn't fight Jake Paul. Yeah. When you see John Fury sitting there and talking about the business acumen of these young Paul brothers and the intertwined nature of both the Fury and the Paul family, I think the Furies finally clicked. They went, we've got it. Yeah. These guys are brilliant. He's got no chance of beating Tommy or he's very unlikely, but he's selling it as if he can. Yeah. And... We're making millions on pay-per-view. Like, my Tommy's not a top-line boxer. Yeah. You know, he's he's working his way up through his craft. But we tag in with this guy who's got an absolutely phenomenal following and it is just printing money. Yeah. So then the Furies go, well, why don't we fight Francis? That sounds pretty attractive. Now Tyson's going to dance around the ring and box his ears off. Yeah. He's just got to avoid getting hit. We're all going to cash the biggest checks ever and – off to the races. Yeah. You know, and I think possibly that, you know, when I talk, when I saw John Fury speak, and, you know, John Fury, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's an old bare-knuckle boxer. Like, yeah. they're, they're, he's in the dressing shed with Jake Paul, getting his hands wrapped, and Jake is, like, singing, saying, I'm going to knock your son out, and John Fury's just laughing, just yeah. smiling, just going, and it was almost like he's going, how good is this? Like, yeah. where he's just watching as every little bit of cotton goes around Jake Paul's hand, he's looking at it going, well, that's dollar signs. Yeah. That's dollar signs. And, you know, I think that's that's what has led to to the, you know, the situation we've got at the moment within boxing yeah. is that a lot of the bigger fights and the more – Popular fights, you know, aren't really the two best boxers in the world going at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had Iron Mike on there as well, Mike mm. Tyson. And oh, I mean, there were celebrities everywhere, yeah. And they asked uh, Mike Tyson what he thought about it, and I believe he pretty much indicated that, you know, from a boxing pu- purist point of view and from someone who, you know, grew up on boxing and loves the fight game, you know, the... the Jake Paul and what he's doing doesn't sit particularly well, but from a from the point of view of someone who's bringing eyes to what he described as a dying sport in boxing, he said it's fantastic. It's brilliant. Yeah, he's absolutely mm. brilliant. So he sort of he's on board with it. Well, if you think about what um, George Rose is doing in the off season with a lot of the footy players, the footy fight nights. Yeah. You know, the eyes of those footy fight nights and getting those popular players who want to go in there, have a bit of a knock, have a bit of fun, train for, you know, eight to ten weeks leading up to it, and then you've got good young Aussie boxers on that card who can get some shine off that. I mean, it's a it's a brilliant system to work. It's yeah. And I don't understand why boxing traditionalists are so against it. You know, I th- I, you'd be opening it. You'd come on down. 
Yeah. Bring the eyes. Bring the eyes. Bring, you know, our our sports broadcasters. Bring Fox Sports in here. Let's go. Let's let's get all the eyes on the boxes because at the end of the day, you know, we're all uh, out there to be entertained. And uh, yeah, they are very entertaining, yeah. um, mate. It was it was a good doco. I I enjoyed it. I've I came to the conclusion at the end of it that, um, and I've always known this. I I love a heel. Yeah, you know I we we live in a country here in Australia where the tall poppy syndrome doesn't lean too much in towards a heel character or somebody who's provocative. Mm. However, I I love it. I think it's hilarious. I mean, Chael Sonnen was my favourite MMA fighter, you know, and Chael will tell you to this day that he was undefeated. He's got 27 losses. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's but the provocative nature and the selling of the fight and the entertainment aspect, I just love it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's so good. And, and Jake Paul does it well. I think the Furies have... Now, well and truly cottoned onto it. Yep. Me. And, you know, it's long may it continue. Yeah. I think it's fantastic for the sport. Yeah, mate. Love it. Love it. Um, and even <laughs> even over the weekend, mate, in the fight, and we'll sort of gravitate to that now, mate, but, you know, comments like, boo if you're a virgin. <laughs> like, Jake Paul's getting just booed. By everyone in the crowd because they're massive Nick Diaz fans, uh, Nate Diaz fans. You know, both Nick and Nate Diaz, the Diaz brothers. Like, you know, they've got a massive following. And they're all booing him and he just goes, boo if you're a virgin, boo if you're a virgin. (laughs) It's like the old-fashioned your mum. Like, you know, no matter what someone says, oh, yeah, your mum. And they just get really cut. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. But um, so you checked out the fight, mate. What did you think of the fight on the weekend? Yeah, it was an interesting fight. So first of all... um, uh, Jake Paul rocking up to the fight. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> in the yeah. tank. So that was on the um, on the social page. We put that one up there where Jake, uh, yeah, turning up in a tank. Oh, second I saw that, I said that, Trudy, and you were already all over. Oh, it. It mate, just, it's, yeah, it was awesome. Unbelievable. So, uh, you know, talk about bringing eyes to the fight game. Like, mm. you know, the audacity of someone to show up like that. I'm sure people just tuned in to see if he'd get his head knocked <laughs> in. Like, and that's, that is exactly that's, what it is. That's his yeah. brand. The Floyd Mayweather yeah. method, you know, straight away. Yeah, people are tuning in. Anthony Mundine from Australian perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought it was a, I thought it was a good fight. It looked a little bit like um, Jake Paul was gonna, like he started fast. It looked like he was gonna finish him um, mm. uh, in the first round there for a, for a, well, a short period of time, ten to fifteen seconds. Uh, what did I learn from it? Because obviously I'm not as a uh, bigger follower of the UFC or as uh, yourself, Grego. But Nate Diaz, he's a tough fella. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So he can he can take a punch. And um, what I noticed is probably in about the fourth or fifth round, it sort of looked like the, um, the dominance of Jake Paul was starting to fade away. And Nate, I thought then Nate Diaz was going to take the fight, mm. but. Um, uh, was it a knockdown in knockdown uh, in the fifth? In yeah. the fifth, so so maybe it was a fourth. I thought it was turning, uh, knockdown in the fifth, and then um, straight straight back up into it, and uh, unanimous decision in the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean it was. Um, yeah, it was. I think uh, only one of the cards gave Nate Diaz more than one round. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, look, the old saying is, and and Nate, you could see Nate was frustrated. 
Um, you know, he was speaking often with his coach Richard Perez in the in the corner, who's a long his long term boxing coach, he was his boxing coach throughout his MMA career. And um, you know, there was a bit of frustration. I think there was a game plan there where Nate was just gonna push the pace and try and tire him out and then hit him with that that wave. Yeah. Um you know, you don't wanna know how your sausage is made often. Yeah. You know, however, if you break it down and analyze, you know, the fight, and it's obviously the beauty of hindsight is is why I can speak so confidently on this. But when you look at it objectively, you can go, well, oh, far out. That was that went exactly how it should have gone, mm-hmm. you know. So Nate Diaz, number one, it was a one eighty five pound fight. Nate Diaz, when he was at his best, you know, he could fight one seventy, but he would fight one fifty five. Yeah. You know, 30 pounds. So Jake is a bigger guy. Number two, his tactics were pushing forward, but pushing f- forward with the shell. So he was just looking to push him forward, let Jake punch himself out, and then he was going to pour it on. Anybody who's watched Nate Diaz throughout his MMA career knows that Nate Diaz doesn't ice people. He doesn't put them out. He puts them, he overwhelms them with volume. So he's not, he's up fighting 35 pounds below his weight and he's not a knockout puncher at that weight, let alone yeah. fighting someone who's at Jake's weight and build. Yeah. So th- straight away you're going, well, there's going to have to be a lot of volume. He's going to have to win on volume. When you look at the rounds, it was a 10-round fight. That's why the Diaz camp came in and said we want our 10 rounds. So Jake Paul said, yeah, look, you can have your 10. But. Still, when you look at it, you know, the 10-point must system is set up in a certain way in boxing that as soon as that knockdown occurred in the fifth round, that's a 10-8 round. Nate Diaz is already two rounds behind, and he started slow. Jake Jake Paul picks up four rounds straight off the bat, you know, because Nate hasn't even got going. So Jake Paul's already won the fight as soon as he knocked him down. Yeah. And then typically of the Diaz, and for anybody who's watched the Diaz's before, it's what they do, it's what we love them for, is after the fight, when they've been beaten, they've never been put away, whether it be Nick versus George St. Pierre, whether it be Nate versus, you know, a, a conglomerate of opponents who have just outwitted him, outgameplanned him in MMA, it's always, ah, oh, they're pussies, they ran. Yeah. They ran, they didn't do, you know, and that's because they're fighters. You know, they, that's the way they fight. They fight like they want to fight you in the street. They don't fight you like they want to fight you in a professional. They're happy to cash the checks as yeah. a professional. And that's what we love them for. But at the end of the day, when it comes to a tactical battle and a structural battle on the match as to who's going to win it, I mean, Jake Paul couldn't have been more of a favourite yeah. when you look at it objectively. So... I mean, it was the same with the Anderson Silver fight in the past. As soon as that, and that's that's the thing that you know. I suppose some people, some of our listeners, may not realise is that as soon as there is a knockdown in MMA, you can get back up from that knockdown and win a round if you want. Yeah. But in boxing, if you get knocked down, it is a ten-eight round. You've lost that round ten-eight, so you've essentially lost two rounds. Yeah. So it's a big difference. And as soon as that knockdown was there, I mean, Jake had the. Had the rounds of the bank, so he just moved around, hit and move. Nate had some good moments, but, you know, essentially that was, you know, you've done the job now. Just move around, cash the check, and, you know, happy days. Yeah. 
Mm. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a good way. It was a good fight. Um, MMA next, mate. Yep. MMA next. What do you What do you think of that? Um, sorry, go again. MMA. So Jake Paul versus Nick uh, Nate Diaz. I keep saying Nick. Yeah. Nate Diaz MMA. So Jake says he wants to run it back in MMA now. Yeah. Wow. Well. Um, I'm watching. Oh, I'll, I'm I'll, watching. I'll watch, but will he do it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's just that's you know. Absolutely. He's mad. Like, he is bigger, you know, so he's probably going – and he did wrestle when he was younger. I mean, no doubt. I mean, he threw a guillotine in there in the ninth round. You know, he's taking the piss. No – Nate Diaz, if you look at his record, the majority of his wins, whether it be submission, he's overwhelming someone and then finishing off with a submission. Yeah, that's that's where it is. So you could see that you know he'd be he'd probably be a decent favourite, but you know things can happen. I yeah, I can't see me sitting back and analysing an MMA fight the same way I've done with the boxing fight there because it's there's too many other variables. Yeah. Okay. However, I think Jake would do it. I yeah. don't. I don't think he's he's lying when he says that. Yeah, let's let's do it. I yeah, think he's well. crazy enough to do it. If they like, how big is that pay per view going to be? Oh, you know what I mean. Like Jake Paul going into his backyard and jumping in the octagon. I mean, you know, the only way that it doesn't get done is if there is a differences in in promotion. Yeah. If they can't agree on who's going to, you know, cash the fatter check. That's Come yeah. on, guys, get yeah. it done. I think so. Um, Amanda Serrano, um, she got straight sets on a couple of cards there. So, um, you know, she was obviously highlighted in the documentary as, you know, what Jake is trying to do with um, with his entry into combat yep. sports where he's trying to give others the shine, um, you know, which was good. So she, she fought on the undercard as well. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it's just a different... You know how you when you get older, mate, and you you know that you you're a bit different to the younger generation, and then you watch like a documentary like that, and you're like, I sort of can understand it, yeah, a bit. And then I rocked up to the gym on Monday, and there was a kid who was there, a younger fella, who was probably about seven, eight, eighteen. He was wearing fucking Crocs and socks, <laughs> and it's something that I've seen Jake Paul do in the past. I'm like, I'll never get that. Oh, you. <laughs> Oh, did you kick him out? <laughs> oh, no, I, I think just after the weekend of appreciation of, you know, entertainment and, you know, the, the YouTube generation, mate, I just went, ah, oh, fair play, son. You'll yeah, be fine. right. Oh, happy days, mate. Happy days. Well, mate, um, that wraps it up for the uh, stream of the week, an extended stream of the week and fight analysis. Um, should we get into the football, mate? Let's go, mate. Rightio, oh, mate. Rightio, you lead the way. What do we got? So relatively short in the football world today because, as you know, mate, exciting oh, yes. times coming up. We've got a full Premier League preview coming up later this week. Premier League pre- uh, preview. It should drop Thursday night. should drop Thursday night. So, uh, listeners, get on board. Mm, and we've got two very, very special guests. We do, we do. Uh, experts. 
We mm. bringing their whiz, wisdom to the table, talking all things Premier League favourites, who's going to get relegated, and of course, fantasy. Oh yes, yes, a bit of fantasy, um, mate. But before we do leave the football, anything late in the transfer window, mate? So, so there's been some transfer moves. Um, obviously, uh, my team, Manchester United, we went for the old school player reveal, and you know these days, you when you when you get a new transfer, a new signing. It's often just the old social media video. There's a, you know, a bit of a marketing team behind it. I remember the uh, the one that'll make me really sick was Alexis Sanchez playing the piano, and then ripping us off for five hundred grand a week for eighteen months before he fucked off. <laughs> um, so there are some bludgers, but. I just love the old school player comes out, holds the jersey in front of a packed stadium, you know, before the start of a game that they're not eligible for. I just, I just loved it. And we had that on the weekend with Rasmus Hoyland, um, Manchester United's new striker. So, look, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. A lot of pressure on the young buck. But, um, yeah, I, I was more taken aback by the old school player reveal. Let's see more of it, mate. Let's have it happen, mate. So, um, mate, speaking about new players for my team, mate, anything uh, come up your way for, for the Toffees, mate? Had a win. Had a win, mate. Had we a did win. have a win. Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing again. Yeah, so I guess the big, um, uh, the big thing for him will be staying fit. That's been a, an ongoing mm. problem. Yeah. Uh, on the evident front, I haven't seen much coming in. Mm, that's yeah. yep. Yeah, anyway, oh, the window's still got time. Yeah, um, speaking about, uh, but there's not going to be lots coming in. Like it's it's no, not no. like they're just saving no, all their pennies no. right to the end. And no. um, that would be dumb. Yeah. So um, yeah, Andre Anana, so our new goalkeeper, and he plays as um, oh, we'll call it a holding goalkeeper. So he's a he's like a holding midfielder slash with a goalkeeper. Um, and I knew this was coming. So against uh, Lons on the weekend in a friendly match, there's been a turnover of possession on the halfway line and obviously Anana playing his sweeper-keeper role or the holding goalkeeper, he's well off his line, he gets chipped, they score. And I was like, oh, here we go. Because this is the big criticism that everybody's had. Ten Hag has brought him in to play a certain role for Manchester United that David De Gea couldn't play. And, I mean, the change of how the team has operated at the back has been night and day. You know, it's, it's, been a, it's different, yet you couldn't straight away say it's been effective because the players haven't had time to run through the system and get comfortable with it. But it will be effective, I believe. And I thought, once that happened, I was like, here we go. The media is going to hammer him for it. Lo and behold, the next day, it's just, oh, Nana, out of his box. He was chipped. It was embarrassing. First game at Old Trafford, this, that, and the other. Yet nobody talks about the fucking awful pass that didn't go to a defender, went to the opposition striker, which gave him no choice. Nobody ever mentioned Diogo Dallo's woeful pass, which, you know, belonged in over 35s down at your local park. <laughs> it was horrific. So, um, I mean, yeah. Loved, adored, never ignored, mate. Mate. Manchester well, United. Uh, 
Anything else, mate? Mate, um, a few moves. So obviously there's still a bit of bit of um, yarns going about what's going to happen with Killian Mbappe at the moment. Um, PSG's put deadlines on him. They look like they're trying to push him out the door. But, uh, yeah, nothing new on that. Um, apparently West Ham have had a, a bid for both Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay, a combined bid of £60 million for both. Knocked back by by United. Um, it'd be interesting to see if there's any movement on that, uh, especially with Harry Maguire. Doesn't look like he's going to feature in the starting side for for United, so he might be looking for somewhere else to go. Um, also, too, another you know talented player, um, Yao Felix, who spent last season on loan at Chelsea. He looks like uh, it could be Saudi Arabia for him. Yeah, you know, right. a real, And I, I believe he was in the region of 123 million euros yeah. about four years ago and, you know, still got talent. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's making me think that, you know, this Saudi Arabia... You know, league, how it's buzzed, but it's it's really been a welcome addition to a lot of these Premier League clubs or these big European clubs who have been looking to offload players. Yeah. You know, they've just found a way of being able to get rid of some players, which is, uh, has helped them balance the books. Um, and finally, mate, um, we can't go past the Charity Shield, mate. Yep. The Charity Shield. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on it a bit on, on Thursday in terms of... Um, you know, an analysis and and where to, but uh, you know, Arsenal getting the first piece of silverware, mate. Oh, mate, for the season and um, yeah, and Pep whinging. Yeah, oh, well, you know, they, they they've had a rough trot. Yeah, so they um, well, I think it was a hundred hundred first minute equaliser, mm. but um, obviously the big the big talking point this week is about going into the new season. The stoppage time. So they're really looking to clamp down on players wasting time. So yep. we noticed at the Qatar World Cup, there was a lot of stoppage time. You know, basically, and I think they've done the, the statistics that, you know, even matches, that, you know, you've got a 90-minute match and, you know, the ball's only in play for, you know, 60-odd minutes. Yeah. Like, it's half an hour where the ball's doing nothing, yeah. you know. So, I mean, rugby league, we've got to fix for that. Yeah, stop the clock. Stop the but um, you know, football's reluctant to go down that uh, avenue. So, I mean, I mean, there's there's issues with that. So we're going to get a lot of stoppage time earlier in the season, but Pep has been upset. Pep has said that they haven't consulted the players and managers prior to this. But I was consulted. And I'm fucking sitting over here on the other side of the world because I read the newspaper. <laughs> so, Pep, you need to pull your head in, mate. You were consulted because as soon as you knew that it was coming, technically you consulted, mate. And if you're not consulted, then how everybody talks about you being this ultimately prepared genius would be telling lies because you weren't prepared. You weren't prepared to go for 101 minutes, mate. So, I mean, I'm just putting it out there. Just a punter. Down Put it under. out there. Putting it out there, Pep. Um, that'll tie a bow in for the football. We'll, we'll cover the rest of that on Thursday for the uh, the listeners who are out there and they're thirsty for that um, that Premier League chatter. So um, any, like anything else to add before before we finish it up? No, all good. Keep keep um, keep your eye out for our uh, Thursday. Edition. Thursday, it's going to be a big one. We got you know four mics. All rattling with chins in front of it, so the boys are absolutely chomping on the bit, at the bit. 
for it. So, yeah, it is going to be a great episode. Integrity report, mate. Let's do it. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. Rightio, mate. You have come to the floor this week. What do we got? Yeah, mate. So I was having a look through um, the paper today, or through the news, should I say. Mm. <coughs> and um, I noticed that uh, a story about a woman, a uh, 45-year-old mother of two, was refused entry from the Burley Pavilion as she um, was trying to head in to celebrate her friend's birthday party. Well, that's an integrity issue, mate. Yeah, it is an integrity issue. Now, you know, naturally I thought she just, you know, had too many pre-drinks and she was flogged. Mm. But not the case, mate. She was refused entry because of her tattoo. And uh, the tattoo that actually reached up to um, her neck, the back part of her neck. And she was refused entry for that. So uh, The old neck tat. Did, yep, did a little bit of digging, and that's part of the Burley Pavilion's policy. So on their website. Have you ever been to the Burley Pavilion? I think I have. I think yeah. I have. Oh, mate. Was it like that, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Yeah. I, I, um, no, I, I, um, my, my wife has been, but I have never been. I've actually shit in a public toilet in Burley when I was running a marathon recently. <laughs> um, that's uh, probably the highlight of my uh, Burley experience. Thank you, Burley. Keep it up. Yeah, Keep up absolutely. the good work. Um, yeah, so I've had a look at their uh, website and the Bur- uh, this is what it says, mate. I'll give you the actual policy. Yep. Uh, the Burley Pavilion is a family and community orientated venue. Guests with tattoos are welcome at our venue. However, our policy does not permit intimidating, aggressive or offensive tattoos, clothing or behaviour. Well, that's pretty standard, isn't it? Absolutely. Which may offend or intimidate other guests or staff. Well, couldn't... Yeah, fair enough. They go on to say, tattoos on the neck, head and face are viewed as increased intimidation in that order. Mm. So... I'm reading that. You tell me if it, any tattoo at all that's on the face or the neck region is going to be considered as yep. intimate, uh, in, try, an attempt to intimidate and therefore mm. you will be asked not to come into the premises. So Yeah, there's a few problems there. Yeah. A- anyway, so I did a little bit more digging. Didn't want to leave it at that. Apparently mm. that is quite common practice among licensed venues. Uh, and uh, it said that... Uh, Covering up these tattoos does not allow entry. So you could be lining up to get in. You can't come in and covering it up with a scarf won't do the job. Mm, All right. So doubling down. Um, So they've gone on to say that the the usual stuff that you would um, uh, think, no singlets, no no thongs, no shirts, et cetera, but they're they're doubling down with the intimidation again later on the policy. So they're obviously angling for a certain crowd. They are angling. And they're, they're trying to isolate a different crowd and, yeah. Yeah. They'd will probably s- be more welcome further up the beach. Yeah. Well, that's right. Now, I, I will say uh, this is not a one-off. Apparently, this is quite common. In fact, mm. apparently, um, it is becoming more and more common. And in Double Bay... There is a restaurant that just last year uh, adopted the same policy where um, uh, you 
were banned from wearing visible tattoos and designer logos. Mm. So uh, that was in Double Bay, which I think's out uh, in a quite uh, uh, ritzy area, probably out near Penrith. I'd say. Grow. No, it's not. It's not, mate. It's not on the um, on the shores of the Nepean, mate. No, that's for okay. sure. <laughs> uh, mm. All right, so anyway, that that's the story, as I read it. So I had a couple of questions, and I just thought I'd throw them out for us to discuss on the sports attention from an integrity point of view. Yeah. Okay, so first thing I thought is, um, do you think venues should be able to do this? Um, is it a form of discriminating against people? Um, well, in terms of discrimination, yep. yeah, it appears to be a form of discrimination. Yep. Especially considering that quite a few people have got tattoos. Yep. Yeah. Um, but when I l- listen to that, I go, well, we need to be extremely careful that we don't devalue the definition of discrimination, though. No. You know what I mean? So you can sort of fall into that trap. You know, I believe um, at this same place there was a woman who attempted to access the pavilion with one of the moke tattoos. Okay, On yeah. her chin, so which is a cultural tattoo, face tattoo that um, Maori women will, will have covering the chin area. Um, and it's a rich cultural tradition for, for Maori women. And I think in recent times there was actually a big story in New Zealand where one of the, um, the newsreaders became the head anchor and um, anchor position and she had the tattoo and it was, it was a really big thing. Um, you know, people don't really want to call it what it is. But there's a massive difference and this is what we're sort of alluding to, with a woman turning up looking extremely professional with a cultural tattoo and someone looking like a female extra from Once Were Warriors. Yep. You know, somebody who's just thrown an empty long neck or a lion red in the garden on their way in, in comparison to somebody who's turning up and obviously has a, a clear cultural mm. tattoo there. You know, there's... We don't want to call it and we want to, you know, play this this facade of, oh, well, it should be equal, but there is a difference that, you know, people at the doors will make a judgment on, you yeah. know, and that's the, that's the way it is. So the tattoos in question um, were um, symbols, uh, basically meaning I think mm. it was hope, love and I can't remember the other one, but it was, it was a long yeah. similar line. So um, not really intimate. In, but yeah, also, too, mate, you, like you mentioned that one in Double Bay. And oh, and sorry, then, I should, and I should say um, the the venue has come out and, and issued an apology, apology and called up the um, lady in question. As well, oh, right. yeah. So you're talking about the fashion labels. Yeah. But, you know, the fashion labels fall into this debate due to their popularity among certain groups in society. That's, that's where that comes from. Like, there are a large number of people who wear... The, the brand Nordica, mm. who have absolutely, despite having no access to water and fucking knowledge about what a bow, a stern or a keel is, they walk around with Nordica. <laughs> <laughs> okay? They're not sailors, okay? They wouldn't know where to start, okay? So it's these certain brands that are associated with certain groups that obviously a restaurant's going, look, if we, we can eradicate that, we want to keep, you know, our our patronage to, you know, a certain demographic, mm. you know, and, th- and that's what they're going for. So the other thing I um, that came across my mind um, is um, I did a little bit of research in uh, celebrities and, uh, you know, mm. you'd obviously want 
if you're a business owner, you'd want celebrities in Absolutely. your Absolutely. Yeah. Drives business. Yeah, definitely. Is Aria, Ariana Grande or Rihanna or David Beckham or Adam Reynolds, mm. are they getting knocked back from these venues? Look, um, it's, it's the restaurant's choice. Yep. You know what I mean? I would imagine that they have rules for some in terms of, you know, and then, you know, rules for others. Uh, in short, you know, they can refuse entry to anyone they want really is yeah. my opinion on that. But if they are being unfair and targeting people who are actually good people who want to go and socialise then and enjoy the facility, I would hope as a business they are treated accordingly by the punters who just go, well, I won't go. Yeah. You know, have your, have your, little, your little club. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of scumbags out there who have never thought of getting a neck tat body. You know, so it's really... Yeah, it's yeah. up to them as an establishment as who they let in their doors, really. Mm, so it, it is an interesting one. Yeah, so I found that one interesting yeah. and, yeah, anyway. Look, look, we'll dive into it, mate. So I, I just want to have a look and, and read the statement because it's usually there's, you know, it's there's always more to the story and a few, you know, obviously when you're going to the media on an issue like this, you're looking for a reaction on both parts as well. Yeah. Um. You know, so basically, when you when you bring up, so it, it is um, Katie Halley. This uh, Miss Halley is the the lady who was who has raised this issue. Um, look, and straight away you go to the news article here, and that's from news dot com. And um, I mean, in terms of intimidation, looking at at Miss Halley straight away, she does look like she's ready to just take down a young buck. <laughs> she <laughs> she is. Ready and raring to get her hands on a young tradie by the look of her. Um, and good on her. And good on her. Um, you know, and she says in it, so neck tatters that she got in 2010, so they're, they're quite old. Family, love and happiness. They're, they're too offensive and intimidating. Um, she said she got the first one, happiness, because she got divorced. Mm. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> again, the young bucks better watch out. <laughs> uh, the second one, family, she got with her sister, which is a great touch. Um, and the third one uh, was love, in the hopes that she could find love again one day. Radio. Now I've read the statement. My opinion is solidified. It's clear, body. The Burley Pavilion. Are anti love. <laughs> they don't want people to find love again at the Burley Pavilion. They have made that clear in this decision. If you love people, you won't go to the Burley Pavilion due to the fear of having those emotions stifled <laughs> by bureaucracy and prejudice. <laughs> and I'm going to say it here right now. Because I have had a story. So apparently the whole cover-up would be, look, if a bikey's walking in and decides to throw a scarf on, they're probably not getting in. Uh, my wife attended the Burley Pavilion and said there was the same issue there with somebody with a neck tattoo and they were just us, hair down, collar up, make sure it's covered, free to enter. So they are quite fair. Yeah. Okay, so as you were saying, you, you did clarify that they were, they got on the offensive publicly and said, look, you know, this was just obviously a misunderstanding in this situation. However, I'm going to call it, mate. Bring back the skivvy. The skivvy. Bring back the skivvy. 
If people were wearing skivvies, the neck tat wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> Make skivvies great again. Oh, mate. That is the call. The oh, Burley I'm- Pavilion, you've got to back love. You've got to let people love. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want to get knocked back, wear a skivvy. <laughs> oh, mate. What do we reckon? Beautiful, beautiful. We've said, I've said it here before. You are a romantic. Ah, oh, mate, yes. All right, mate. That's uh, everything in the integrity world. Mate, should we get into a bit of the sport around the globe, mate? We love it. Rightio, mate. Uh, the WWE, you've got something special for us there, mate. Yeah, That's I where we'll on, start today. So I touched on um, Logan Paul, Jake Paul's brother, mm. uh, earlier in the day, and I spoke about him main eventing for the world title last year, I guess about October in, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, the uh, WWE had their Summer Slam. Big event. Big event, big mm. event. I'd is that the outdoor one they usually do? Yeah, I think so. They I have think, done it outdoors before. Yeah, so I think they've got Florida usually. Yeah, WrestleMania, which is their, their main event, their Christmas mm. time, and, and Summer Slam's their um, m- m- middle, of, middle of the year sort of event. Okay. Uh, and he's uh, featured on the card, and he's come out and put in a, a, um, uh, a performance, which I must admit I didn't see the performance, no. but he's, um, he's put in a, a performance that uh, stole the show. And um, I did see a couple of the highlights and just the athletic prowess, I have to say again, of the, um, of the two brothers, Logan and Jake yeah. Paul, is just, yeah. They, they, He's a not, legitimate wrestler now, though, isn't he? Logan Paul, when you, when you think about, like if you think about, um, uh, what's his name, the, the former Raiders and Dragons winger, Daniel Vita. Yeah, then. You know, you... Zion Quinn. Yeah. Like, I mean, you think of how much time and effort that he is. He's gone through the program mm, yeah. with the, the next generation program that they have. Like, yeah, he must be five years in there. And that, an man. absolute athlete as yeah. it is. Yeah, I mean, Logan Paul is yeah. straight in there. Yeah, he's, he's, you know he, what I mean? he's on... Yes, he's got the following. Yes, he's got the push of it's going to bring eyes and the like. But to be able to actually then accomplish... Oh. The skills of what it needs That's means fun. to be a top line. Yeah, on an athletic wrestler. scale, he's not a hacker. No, no. So yeah, uh, well done to to Logan Paul. That was um, another pretty impressive day for the Paul brothers. And I yeah. think he ducked straight out of there and was um, I'm off to the fight. That's exactly across. yeah. So I'm looking at it, and there was a little bit on social media. I wasn't too too close to it, but I was like, oh, so they had SummerSlam in Texas as well in 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 Dallas. And uh, no, he no. was in Detroit. He was in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, they, I mean, they're prime time slots. I yeah. don't think they would have been, yeah, it would have been much after his match where he was back on the on the plane. Yeah. He was, he made it there and he was still in his outfit. That was yeah, a pisser. Yeah. Yeah. He was still in his WWE outfit when he rocked up to the fights. <laughs> Absolute ripper. Uh, Absolute it was good. Ripper. It made, was good. Um, yeah. So, um, what about the Wallabies, mate? The Wallabies. Oh, mate. Dad said, oh, they came close. Look, I'll give them that. Is that where we're at? Is that where I, we're at, Yeah, I, look, I get it. I get it. You can you can have that 
criticism of me, mate, <laughs> with that shitty attitude towards the Wallabies. Um, oh. Look, I would have said, look, we, you know, it was a close match. Um, you know, yes, it wasn't the blowout that we had in Melbourne the week before, but, you know, at the end of the day, even if, and they, they, you know, talking about it as if, oh, we almost broke the 22-year hoodoo. But, mate, if we won in freaking Dunedin, it doesn't count. No, mate. <laughs> it's got to be Eden Park. Eden Park. Like, if it's not Eden Park, it doesn't count anyway. And, look, I'm going to say, the next time that we win at Eden Park, I reckon we just have John Eels on the sideline, yep. slip him on, late substitute, kick a goal. Kick a goal, mate. Just for oh. old time's sake. Well, we, I'll tell you what, we might need him. Because <laughs> That's exactly right. We might need him actually <laughs> win a couple of lineouts and bloody, yeah, direct a all. Well, yeah, I don't know how, um, you know, Johnny Eels will be going by that time because it's been 22 well, years, mate. so it could be another 22. Oh, well, mate. He was a he was a stalwart, that's for sure, mate. Eelsy. Those were um, those were the glory days. Look, I, look, I'm going to stick. You know, although you know, rugby league's my jam. I I, I do watch the Wallabies because I love all things Australian sport. Yep. But you know, and I do have faith in Eddie Jones. I d- I don't. You know, what concerns me, if anything, about this, it's it's a loss against the All Blacks. You know, it happens majority of the time, uh, for most teams. My my issue is the fact that if Eddie Jones gets started, you know, gets put under undue pressure due to this sort of stuff, like it's going to take time for Eddie to change yeah, around the toxic on. nature of the Wallabies. So we've got to get behind Eddie. We've got to, you know, have some faith that there will be some change and, um, you know, and there'll be some, you know, we're going to stub our toe across, along the way as we're walking along the path. So, um, yeah, but come the next World Cup, let's, you know, the hope is that we're going to be Super competitive. Agreed. And as you said, you, you brought Eddie in for a reason. I'm sure when you're having an interview with him, he didn't say turn around in eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he might have. He <laughs> 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 could have been. <laughs> Actually, now, as yeah, soon as I said it, he might, he might have thrown that yeah. in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh mate, easy fix this one. <laughs> um. Made a bit of baseball, so I mean, oh, we put it up what on the. Don't we cover on? Mate, this we show. put it up on the social media. Um, you know, was the uh, Jose Ramirez? Um, you know, the, I mean, the flash knockout. It was a ten-eight round, so there's a bit of a scrap. We had it up on the story um, on Instagram. Um, yeah, it was the White Sox, I believe, versus the the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it wouldn't be the Cubs. It was um, White Sox. Yeah, don't know. Anyway. That wasn't what we're reporting, mate. What no. we are reporting is the fact that they got into a good old-fashioned Barney and um, I think one of the other guys got – he flashed knockout. Yeah. It was Allenson or – yeah, I think that was his name. Anderson. Anderson, yeah. sorry. Yeah, flash knockout. Copped it on the chin. Flash knockout. <laughs> and everybody run in. It was uh, – yeah, she was a fair good brawl, that one. And if you got the attention of the sports – Detention, you've done something right. Mm, absolutely. So we'll, I'll get that reposted up on the socials anyway if anybody wants to have another dig on that. Um, or you could get it in our highlights page, our story highlights on our, our Instagram page. That's where you'll probably find all our good stuff if you're interested in checking that out. Loving it, mate. Loving it, mate. Got uh, something to touch on in the UFC world, mate? Yeah, UFC, mate. We had um, Corey Sandhagen versus Rob Font was the card on the weekend. Um 
Look, it wasn't a classic card. There were some really good fights on there. Uh, Corey Sandhagen, uh, Rob Font was a, obviously a late uh, replacement for Nurmagomedov. Um, so Sandhagen did the job. Rob Font, a really, really dangerous striker, really good boxing, comes out of uh, the New England uh, region up there. Um, they had it at a catch weight, so... Corey Sanhagen went in and just wrestled, did the job, you know, showed his his creativity with both his wrestling and his ability to uh, to control the fight, not really engage. He, he didn't really have a mark on him by the end of it. Called out for a title shot. I, I don't think you could argue with that, the fact that he he's taken on all comers, he's taken on Rob Font regardless of um, of the fallout of opponent. So, yeah, I think you, you'd have to suggest that um, he could he'll be the next one after um, O'Malley and uh, Aljamain Sterling fight. Um, Tatiana Suarez uh, won by second round submission. She's she's a bit of a hot property in the strawweight division for the women's. Um, she's on the come up. Um, yeah, very, very good wrestler, really good pedigree, and, um, yeah, yeah, a good submission victory there. So she's one to watch out for. And um, the third fight on the card was Dustin Jacoby. He's come off a two-fight slide um, where I believe he fought. Uh, he fought. It was um, – so he played um, – I had money on him last time, on, on his opponent last time. My apologies. Um, yeah, so it was Mirza Karnov, and he, he also fought Khalil Roundtree. Um, so two really good fighters. Um, Dustin Jacoby's a really good stand-up fighter, and he, he you know he got his huckleberry in, in the fight on the weekend, uh, Kennedy and Czech Wu. Um, so he won by TKO in the first. That was probably the highlight of the whole card, mate. So which, uh, if you scroll down the results, Diego Lopez had a filthy, uh, well, it was an arm bar that went into a, a mounted triangle submission. It was, it was gr- really delicious how he transitioned between those two moves. Um, so that was a slick move from uh, Diego Lopez. So he got that win over Gavin Tucker. But other than that, mate, it was all decisions. Yep. So, um, yeah, obviously getting the cards out, meeting their obligations, but there there was no real barn burners in there. So Forward over the last few weeks, mate. Yeah. Oh, I mean we had the had the big pay per view cards, so you can't complain with that. Uh, coming up this weekend, uh, another fight is Vincente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos, and that'll be at welterweight. Um, nine and ten, I think uh, yeah, both Fighters would be looking. I know Rafael dos Anjos. He'd be looking at this as his final sort of run at a title if he's if he's going to get some momentum. Um, Vincente Luque is a, a bit younger. Um, he's sort of sort of coming up, and um, you know he should have. He's probably got some more miles in the um, to go in the tank. He's he's got a a decent record. He's you know had upwards of thirty two fights. So um, yeah, he's he's quite. Uh, yeah, got qu- quite experience, but um, I don't know. I, d- I don't know quite know where I think that one will go. They, they're very, very similar fighters, um, but I, I just don't know what type of Rafael dos Anjos is gonna is gonna turn up. Luque's the more uh, sort of natural welterweight, so that could play a part as well. You know, just that size difference. Mm. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting. But um, Cub Swanson's back as well, and um, he fights Hakeem Dewodo from um, oh sorry Dewudu 
from Canada. And the third fight on the card, there's um, Khalil Roundtree. Um, really, really good story, that one. 300 pounds he was, Khalil. Yep. And, uh, yeah, got into training as a way of losing weight and he's been a, a really um, well-rounded, highly technical Muay Thai practitioner for his career. And, yeah, he's a, he's a, a really good guy when you hear him in hear him speak as well so he fights chris dorcas so yeah another fight there so one to look out for i'm i'm hoping for a a bit more excitement that one's just in the uh in the performance center at vegas there so it's not a not a big crowded card anyway so yeah fingers crossed we can get some good knocks in there it'll be good let's go mate let's let's I reckon you're going to come back next week and you're going to say something special's happened. That probably that's usually how it works. You know, yeah. it's the shit cards that you go and check out and you go, oh wow, yeah. I'm glad I sat down for that. Multis, mate. Multis, mate. Well, mate. tie a knot in this. So close, but I wasn't really close. Dom Young was my first uh, up for the week, and he didn't score in Newcastle's game. Got the other two, but. As we've said many times before, mate, two from three does not pay. And it no. wasn't a good week for um, <laughs> our punting at all, was it, mate? Like, no. Well, we got a we got a social media request from uh, one of our, our f- listeners out there who asked us for a bet on the Coffs Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. just out of uh, out of boredom, we went, oh, well, let's have a look. And, um, yeah, we gave... We gave him two tips and came third, last, and last. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Oh, uh, at Bert's knees, yeah. mate. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> I actually had a good week with the punters club on the weekend, but I had an awful week in my uh, my multi. Uh, zero from three. Once Dylan Edwards didn't score, uh, I was cooked. And <laughs> then uh, I got no more try scorers after that. Um, look, I think I'm going to have to go back to women's football. Mate, I think I think it needs to happen. You zero from three. My two from three sounds a lot better, but you know what? It wasn't. Yeah. No. Still the same result. Uh, penis of the week, mate. The mate, holy grail. Penis of the week. We're at that time again. I'll jump straight in. For me, mate. The people who are still going on about the ball saga in the fifth Ashes test mm. that finished, what was it, a fortnight ago now? So let me clarify. Is it, so it's obviously Aussies kicking off about it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Aussie look, mate, media. I, look, I could almost change my penis of the week now to jump on board with you, mate. How can you whinge about people, about the weather? Like oh. whinge about people whinging about the weather and then whinge about the balls. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah anyway. it, mate. There's been all sorts of um, conspiracy th- theories come up. There's been all sorts of oh no, this should have been mm. done. That should have been done. They should have had this. Yeah. Who cares? Mm. Like a- Australia dropped seven wickets in the last session. Yeah, the ball was gone by then anyway. It's mm. just yeah, get over it. It's what okay. a great series! It yeah. is done. You're still going on about two two weeks later. Mm. It's only one thing to say, mate. You're a penis. Penis of the week. Penis. Uh, look, bit of a bit ironic this one because my um, look, it's actually no, it's not because it's it it's going to sound like my penis of the week is a group of people who don't have penises, um, but it's actually not the case because it's a broader statement on mm. penis of the week. The diamonds, mate. The diamonds, and we've already mentioned in this podcast how much we love 
Australian sports. We, we just love getting on the back of a, of the Aussies when they compete. However, did you know the Diamonds won the World Cup, mate? The Diamonds won the World Cup, did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> well done. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that is why they are the penis of the week, because the Diamonds, who are our national netball champions, you know, we've got a, we've got a good history in netball. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we can ball. But the fact is that nobody knew the Diamonds were even competing in the World Cup, let alone winning the World Cup. And it all goes back to that shit show that was put on last year around netball in this country. Yep. The Diamonds, anyone associated with the Diamonds or anybody contributing to the fact that nobody gives a shit about netball in this country, you are the penis. Indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. And you know why I'm not even going to go into the whole backstory of mining magnets and all that sort of garbage. You know why. You know why. Well, mate, that's us. We've done it again. We're done. We're done, mate. We've wrapped it in a nice little package. We'll be back again this week, though, anyway, mate. So we'll, um, yeah, have to get onto the lemon tea, mate. Get the vocal cords, you know, get them lubricated, get them firing, because we'll be back again later on the week. Thanks again, mate. And thank you to the loyal listeners. Absolutely. We love you guys, the listeners. Uh, we do it for you. We well, we do it for ourselves. <laughs> we, we love having you on, on board. Um, at the end of the day, we're done. And for any of our listeners, in Dudley Redhead, home of the mighty magpies, we say goodnight. And farewell. <laughs>